Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings this morning are from the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses 4 through 9, and from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. My sermon is titled, Inheritance. You'll find the link to our complete announcements in your email. Here are a few highlights. This Wednesday, the 17th, we will have a simple service of Taze with prayer chants and candlelight. Join us at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time via Zoom. We are soon approaching Holy Week, and we'll kick that off with a live service via Zoom on Palm Sunday, March 28th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. I encourage you to take a look at the written announcements for additional details on recorded and live worship services offered that week. In anticipation of Easter, we would like to incorporate sounds of new life from nature into our April 4th recorded worship service. Perhaps you hear new life in the waves of ocean, or in birdsong, or in rain showers, or in animals rustling. So we invite you to make a short audio recording of the sounds of new life you hear in nature and to send them my way via email by next Wednesday, the 24th. And now in preparation for worship, you're invited to quiet yourself, becoming still as we prepare to worship God. We light a light in the name of God who creates light. We light a light in the name of Christ who loves life. We light a light in the name of spirit who is the fire of life. Trust in God. 
Let us pray. Your grace and your mercy, O God, are ever before us, offered to us with no prerequisites, no stipulations. When we truly believe this, we give you thanks. When we forget this, forgive us. When we find it difficult to be with others with whom we disagree, open us. Allow, us, allow our hearts to stretch as wide as yours. And now in silence, we continue in prayer to you. God's forgiveness and love showers over us as winter rains water the earth. In Jesus Christ, we are renewed and offered new life. All that separates us is gone. 
In Christ, we are forgiven and set free. from the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Loving God, as we listen to these ancient words, open our hearts and minds that we might hear your word for us this day. Amen. From Mount Hor, they set out by the, by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then God sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against Yahweh and against you. Pray to God to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And God said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Here is what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
A reading from the Gospel of John, the third chapter, beginning with the 14th verse. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Humanity be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come into the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come into the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Here ends the reading. Sometimes, when my thoughts are quiet, I return to the bedroom where my earliest memories were formed. At night, the music held watch, the street lamp's vigil humming like a sentinel on the other side of the window, double-paned and dressed with a shade and skirts of fabric. When day returned, the humming became ours. The shade flew heavenward, plastic retracting into itself with the sound of a whip, revealing morning light, bright and cheerful, warming the carpet and the hope chest turned window seat. There sat my mother's inheritance, or ours, her Aunt Susie's treasures, cloth remnants for quilts yet unmade, or for more petticoats and dresses to clothe Rosie and the other porcelain dolls with painted shoes and cheeks an Art Deco necklace watch, and a miniature tea set, fine china for Aunt Susie's little women. I never met her, but I knew her then. The eldest in a family of girls, descendants of a troublemaker named Billington. Their parents sold the family home in order to send them to school. In a single painted photograph, they stood poised, holding back laughter. They were beautiful and clever, well-ordered and lively, each of them rule-breakers and enforcers, willing to strike out on their own, believing in their ability to figure things out. And they did. Susie never had children and wasn't married so her nieces inherited the physical artifacts of her dreams and imagination. A librarian, she was a keeper of words and books. Surveying her collected treasures, her life spoke with refined eloquence. Holding them was like being born 
into her family again. If we hold the books of our ancient ancestors up to the light, we discover remnants of older stories sewn together. Snippets brought with them into the wilderness, strengthening them as they forged new paths and responded to the challenges before them. A recurring thread is the serpent. A serpent appears in the creation stories amidst the watery chaos of the deep and a people coming of age in the garden. A serpent appears when Moses throws down his staff as he prepares to confront Pharaoh, and when Aaron's staff has transformed and devours the staffs of Pharaoh's sorcerers. Serpents in the ancient Near East bring with them associations of gods long worshipped and worthy opponents for other gods to show their strength. They tie together symbols of wisdom and fertility, of life and death, of living closer to the earth's soil than any other earthling, and yet being not of this world. Their poison is used for rituals of human sacrifice, and yet like a medicinal antidote, when intertwined on a pole, they hold the promise of life and of healing. John's Jesus also pulls on this thread. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Humanity be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. I used to have trouble with this verse and with the verses that follow. I heard dogma, the path to salvation. I heard substitutionary atonement for a people unworthy. This week, it landed differently. The people of John's community were disaffected, living in a culture where honor was inherited at birth. They were among the lower rungs of society. Each act, each meal, each exchange of hospitality was significant in maintaining honor instead of shame. Secrecy was a hedge, a protection lest someone use knowledge of their life for another's gain. Following a crucified leader, identifying with him as if family would have ensured exchanging what honor was left for more shame and in becoming social kryptonite. He was not sent to condemn the world, so says John's Jesus. Inspired by an inherited remnant, the people of John form a community within the community and they find a solution to a most impossible problem. The only way they could be freed from the lower rungs of society to which they have been relegated is if they were to be born into a different family. 
Just before our reading, the elite-born Nicodemus struggles to fathom entering the mother's womb a second time. And so comes a liturgical piece of art. Just as the serpent was lifted up, moving from the earth to the sky, from the world of dust to that of the heavens, and from there was able to ensure life even when surrounded by death, for John's community, this was also true with Jesus' crucifixion. Lifted into a position on high, Jesus is in the realm of divine beings, of God. And upon those looking heavenward toward him, he breathes the life-creating breath of the Spirit. They are reborn, children of God, siblings and equal inheritors of an honor that could be no higher. Instead of a story about being unworthy, it is a story about those discarded as lowly, reclaiming their honor and freed to live a better life. Instead of being an eternal sentence of shame by the powerful, requiring the sentinel's watch, the lifting of Jesus becomes a source of life and of healing. I imagine the community of John proclaiming, You lifted him up and put him in the realm of the heavens, and now he has breathed upon us the breath of the Spirit. The sound of a whip has transformed, revealing morning light, bright and cheerful, welcoming us as children of God. We believe in God, whose love surrounds us, even when we feel unlovely and unlovable. We believe in Christ, who knows the labyrinths of our lives and walks them with us. We believe in Spirit, who empowers us to live in love and walk in the light. This we believe.
Let us pray. Life-giving breath of God, we give you thanks for this earth we call home, for the new life emerging with the light-hearted sounds of spring, we give you thanks. We pray for our siblings near and far, for the stories we've been entrusted with, and for those we have yet to tell. We pray for your life-honoring spirit. As we forge new paths, be in our discernment and in our determination. Be in our stillness and in our laughter. Open us to new ways of seeing, that we might be renewed in community with one another. And now in silence, we continue in prayer to you. We make this prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Go forth beautiful and clever, well-ordered and lively, filled with laughter and strengthened by story, as you find your way through, children of God. grace of God, the peace of Christ, and the power of the Spirit be with those who work or watch or weep this day. May God tend the sick, give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, and shield the joyous. Amen.